listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the last show of 2019. Uh, there's no. I guess I need sound effects. John, you're with me, aren't you? I am with you. That was very good. Do we need some sound effects where like I said, the last show of 2019, and then there's like this burst of applause from a huge audience? I can do that for you. That would feel good to me. Yeah. Um, you know, because that, that, that is the persistent, um, my persistent malady with the show is, is the lack of, I, I realize that I miss speaking to live audiences um, only because you can get some feel for what you're saying and how it's impacting people. Right. And your, I mean, your background was very much this evangelical crowd world. So I get it. Yeah. And, and even more so like black church. Like I spent a lot of time in black churches preaching um, to audiences that let you know exactly where you stood every second of the way. <laughs> right. And so, yeah. um, so it's kind of hard sometimes to podcast and to get, you know, no. Deafening silence. Right. So that is why I think in my earlier iteration of life, maybe a, maybe a, an in-person crowd would have stopped me from saying like so much. <laughs> maybe some, maybe some woman in the back of the church would have stood up and said, shut your mouth. Stop saying like, and right. I would have, I would have sit down and everyone would have gone. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Cut the likes. And I would have been okay. Well, John, I'm glad, I'm glad we made it. We, I, we, when did we start this podcast? I mean, Man. are we five years I don't old? Know. It's got to be something like that. Yeah. I mean, I know we've outlived a lot of podcasts. Yes. They come and go. Yeah, they do. And, you know, it makes sense because I get excited about podcasts and listen to them religiously and then stop. Get tired of that person's voice. Yeah. I think it's about habit too. It's a very habitual medium. You're either in the mode of listening to that person or being with them or not. That's true. But I mean, I, for a while there, I thought Malcolm Gladwell, I could listen to him all day, every day. And then there came a point at which I was done. And, you know, maybe I'll get back to him. Maybe I'll care about him again. Right. But there have been a number, even Mark Marin, the king, you know, my, my, my patron saint of podcasters. He's your I, guy. I now only listen to him when he's going to be talking to somebody wonderful. Like it used to be that it didn't matter who he was talking to. I just like to hear his perspective. Hmm. But now I, I need to know that he, I need to know that, that that's the conversation is going to be about something I care right. about. I think that does happen. By the way, just off the top of my head. I did hear, if you want to feel good about humanity, you should really listen to Mark Maron's interview of the actor Nathan Lane. Okay. Nathan Lane is probably the most likable person I can imagine in this interview. Really? He just makes, I just <laughs> want to be his friend. I just loved him so much. And- they had a great conversation. Mark Marin didn't know him ver at all at the beginning of it. Um, but 
Nathan Lane's sort of take on family, take on being a gay man, take on 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 his career, take on so many things was just really refreshing. Yeah, I, I good recommendation. I, I, yeah, so there you go for what it's worth. Um, so here we are, last episode of 2019, and it's a Q and and I was hoping somebody would ask, "Hey Bart." Is 2020 going to be a great year for Humanize Me? To which I was going to say, I really think it is. I think we have some plans and I think we've got some rhythm. And I know that my schedule is changing in January. And I just feel like I'm going to be a better podcaster in 2020 than I was in 2019. You're full of hope and optimism. I am. And we'll get to that. Um, We'll get to that. Because I, I did get a sneak preview of this week's question, and I like it. And so I know you have it because you, you played it for me, and I like it, and I, wanna, I want you to play it for everybody, and then we're going to dig into a great end-of-the-year question. Okay, awesome. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Let's do okay. it. Hey, Bart. This is John. Um, so I have been in post evangelical for couple of years now, I'm starting to get to a point where I'm getting my bearings as to, like, you know, just how to live in this world. Um, but what my question is, what I've been wondering a lot about more recently is, can faith ever be a good thing? Can it ever be still in being post-faith? Can you still use faith and buy into its illusion, knowing what it is? But using it as a a method to drive you forward, it's it's important. Uh, you could argue that it has uh, driven forward scientific achievement on an individual level. You know, just believing that somehow it's going to work out for me, somehow it's going to be okay, um, without any real evidence for that. Um, I, there are a lot of stories where that has been a really important facet in someone's success um, um, as a person. Um, all right. Um, thanks. Hope you're well. Bye. All right, John, first of all, thanks. I think that's a great question. Um, and my, my, my first and immediate thought to that is, you know, when he says, can faith be a good thing? And the answer, I think, manifestly in our lives, um, in our observations of the world, uh, in our understanding of human evolution, the answer is manifestly yes. Yes, of course. Um, faith has, evidently has some real adaptive value that, um, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that individuals with faith tended to do better in the evolutionary game of survival than those without it, that, that there are some benefits to, to faith, it, 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 to irrationally supposing that there might be a story when, in fact, there really isn't a story behind the rustling in the bushes. Um, so there's no question that faith can be a good thing. But I think that the question that John's asking is a little different than that. I think what he's asking is, can you ever adopt faith as a life strategy? 
because it might be helpful to you? Can you, can you sort of put it on like a, like a cloak and say, you know what, today would be a good day to live as a faithful person. So today I'm going to believe that everything's going to be okay. Or today I'm going to believe that even though there's no evidence that, that this is all going to work out or that I'm going to achieve, I'm going to get this job or that this woman's going to say yes to me or whatever it is that you're hoping for. Do you, is that the, is that the vibe that you're getting on the uh, Yeah, I just want to know is that I, I just wanted to sort of define the term faith or what what is meant by the word. And that does make sense to me. I mean, is it sort of, does it, is it equating to self-belief in a way? Well, you know, at one point he says, you know, that faith has driven people forward in science and in other endeavors, that people that have achieved great things often believed kind of against the conventional wisdom that they could do it, you know, so that they, they had this, and, and maybe, maybe it's a semantic thing, but I would say that those people were probably optimistic. Right. Um, that they had, and probably irrationally optimistic that they were like, I'm going to become the president or I'm going to solve, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Fermat's theorem or, you know, I'm going to be the one that invents, uh, you know, a, 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 a solution to the carbon problem in the, in the atmosphere. Um, right, and, right. And, and I think that it, it would be easy to sort of reverse engineer and, you know, you have a thousand people that think they're going to solve this huge problem. And it's irrational for any of them to believe that it's going, that they're going to be the one sort of like somebody saying, I'm going to win the lottery. <laughs> like, well, you know, you, <laughs> one thing is for sure is that if you don't believe that you might win the lottery, you won't buy a ticket and therefore you won't win the lottery. So on some level, you have to have some faith or some irrational sense of optimism to buy the ticket. Yeah. It's the price of, you know, price of price of admission. But 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 having said that, while there might be a million people who buy a ticket believing they have a legitimate shot of winning, the reality is that most of them will fail in that endeavor. Right. But the person who wins will be interviewed by the newspaper and they will say my, all my friends and relatives told me, don't buy that ticket. You're wasting your money. It's a million to one. But I told them, listen, I got a good feeling about this. I, I, you know, I, I saw my cat sitting on top of the car this afternoon and the way she looked at me said, I'm going to win. And I right. followed that and I was right. And my faith was rewarded. Yes. Yes. Well, and, and it has to happen to somebody. That's right. And so- you know, on some level, was faith a good thing for that guy? Yeah, he's a millionaire. Um, was well, very Tony Robbins, isn't it? It's you know, it's I grew up in the UK, and the British attitude is kind of the opposite of all of this. You're not supposed to. You don't have optimism. <laughs> you have unrepenting realism. Yeah, it's, it's probably not going to work out. I don't stand much of a yeah. chance here. Um, <laughs> But so, so what I was going to say is the question is, is there value to, to, to being irrationally optimistic? That's a really good question. And the answer is, there's probably some value to it. But here's the funny thing, is that in a sense, 
that kind of faith only works if it's authentic. I, it drives you forward. It causes you to hang in there, to not give up. I mean, there's a famous experiment that I remember hearing about as a kid where they put a, dumped a bunch of rats into a vat of water to see how long they would swim. And uh, they swam for a certain length of time. And then they put some other rats in the water. And, and about 10 minutes before they were all going to drown, they rescued them, Right. They pulled them out of the water and they dried them off and they gave them food and they set them up again. And then they plunged them back into the water a couple of days later. And the rats swam twice as long as they had originally. Mm -hmm. And you can see why, right? Yes. Because like having been saved at the last minute, these rats were like, you know, there might be somebody coming. I don't want to miss it. I'm going to hang on just a little bit longer. We hang on. So, so in a sense, their faith, their 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 belief that somebody was coming to to rescue them, gave them a physical ability, kind of motive, you know, enabled them to kind of overcome their natural instincts to relinquish the the, the battle. And so the the question is, and, and you know, the sad thing is, of course, they let them drown the second time to yeah. see if they could time them out. So their faith was not rewarded. But, <laughs> but the point is, wow. if you believe something, whether or not that thing is actually true, the belief that something is true can affect the way that you live, the way you proceed, and it can have in, in a really positive way. So then you say, well, there you go. Then I've decided I'm going, like, if it's healthy to believe that God might, you know, spontaneously cure my cancer. And there are, there, and there are statistics to suggest that people that have that belief might last longer. I, I'm going to believe in God. And the problem is you can't choose in. It only works if you really believe it. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And so, you know, it would be sort of like in one of those drug things where they said, okay, you're going to take the actual medication that heals the disease. And you people here, you're going to be taking a placebo. But the thing you need to understand is that the placebo effect is a real thing. So we want you to take this placebo knowing it's just a sugar pill, but go, you know, trust in the placebo effect. But the placebo effect doesn't work if you know it's a placebo. The placebo effect only works if you think it's the drug. So, so, so the kind of faith that John, the John who, who sent the question, the kind of faith that he's suggesting to me is, you know, good luck with that. Right. Now, what I will tell you is, is that optimism is this, is this notion that everything is going to work out. And some people have that kind of optimism. And I suppose that on some level it works for them. Um, but but in the same way that I would sort of say, okay, maybe, maybe that optimism is a good analogy for blind faith, kind of an irrational belief that everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. There is an alternative that I think is a lot more realistic for a guy like John, for a guy like me. And that is what I, what I would call hope. And, and hope is not the belief that everything is or will be fine. Hope is is 
is something very different. I, I, I read an article a number of years ago by one of my favorite writers, a woman named Rebecca Solnit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a feminist writer who I guess on some level was very popular for inventing the term mansplaining. Oh, I see. Everybody knows that now, right? Well, yeah, it's kind of part of the par- popular parlance. I, in fact, Marty, um, my wife, uh, she she was telling me today that she had seen a meme on 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 uh, that somebody had sent her this meme because a friend of ours is a guy named Mark Lowry, uh, who in the Christian, he's a very famous Christian musician. He's really tight with my my mom and dad. They hang out with him all the time. He was part of the Bill Gaither Quartet. Like you know, Christians of a certain age, they would all know who Mark Lowry is. Yeah. Um, very funny guy, but he actually wrote the song, Mary, Did You Know? Which has become kind of a Christmas standard. Mary, did you know that your baby boy <laughs> would one day walk on water? You know, that kind of thing. It's a huge song. I mean, like if you're friends with a guy, like it's funny because my, my soon-to-be daughter-in-law is a songwriter who writes big hit songs. And, and then this Mark, my buddy, and, and like, I have come to learn that if you write a huge hit song, you, you might not have to do anything for a long time <laughs> after that. Right. You might be all right. Um, and you don't need 20 of them. You just need one. No. I mean, I, I think Mark Lowry could just live off that one song. Like live well. I know a few people uh, like that. Yeah. 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 So anyway, the, the funny, the reason I brought up Mark Lowry and Mary, did you know is because there was a meme that's gone around on the internet where they're saying that we're feminists, Christians are saying, we need to get rid of that song because it's mansplaining. It's this guy <laughs> telling Mary, like, did you know? And it has Mary responding like, yes, I knew. The <laughs> angels told me. Have you not read the Magnificat? Like, do you not? Yeah, right. It's kind of this <laughs> it's funny thing. Um, yeah. That's funny. So next time I see Mark, I'll have to ask him if if he realizes that he's become the king of the mansplainers. Anyway, all of that bring me around to Rebecca Solnit, who wrote this great book about hope. Um, that she, the, the hope she discovered while being in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, and being part of that stuff. And uh, what she says is, listen. Hope is not thinking everything's going to be fine. Um, That's not what I'm talking about. She said, hope locates itself. This is a quote. Hope locates itself in the premises that we don't know what will happen. And that in the spaciousness of uncertainty, there is room to act. When you recognize uncertainty, you recognize that you may be able to influence the outcomes you alone or you in concert with a few dozen or several million others. Hope is the embrace of the unknown and the unknowable, an alternative to the certainty of both optimists and pessimists. I like that. And I think that that is the thing that John really should be looking for, is to say, John, you know what, you know what is very rational? It is not very rational to say things are going to be okay. It is very rational to say, I don't know what's going to happen. Climate change, global climate change, is it a huge and real problem? Yes. Are the poor ascots melting? Yes. Are we in big, big trouble? Yes. But, but if you say, do you know, Bart, what's going to happen? 
I would go like, no, and neither do any of the scientists. Mm -hmm. I mean, so far, all of their projections have proven to be too optimistic. It's getting worse much faster than any of them predicted. But at the same time, David Deutsch and a bunch of the technology optimists, would, techno optimists would say, there are people all over the world working on carbon sequestration and working on all kinds of new patterns. Who knows that we can't pull all, that we won't come up with a technology next year that enables us to suck all the bad carbon out of the, out of the atmosphere in, you know, three weeks. And you say, well, come on, man, that's never happened in history where scientists predicted and clearly predicted a catastrophe and then other scientists came up with a workaround. Right. And I'm thinking it's happened over and over again. I mean, I remember in the seventies when everybody, when I was a little kid growing up and everybody was tremendously concerned about the population explosion and about us running out of food. And then some scientists came up with the green revolution and figured out how to get much more crops out of much less land. And the food shortages that everyone predicted went away. And he's, you know, now somebody could say, yeah, and that's why we have this big agricultural problem now where we've used all this, you know, fossil fuels to fertilize and we've created an environmental nightmare and we're losing species. And I'm like, yes, that's true. We didn't know that either. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying everything's going to work out. I'm just saying you wouldn't have known. Yeah. You don't know. I mean, it's funny. I saw I saw Eddie Murphy on uh, Saturday Night Live uh, last week. Oh, I just watched that. And uh, his one line was, he said, if you would have told me 30 years ago that I would end up being America's father, like 10 kids and like really concerned about, you know, getting the, the proper influences on my kid and Bill Cosby would be in jail. <laughs> and then he did a great Bill Cosby impersonation. He was like, I don't think, I don't see how that happens. Um, so good. You don't know what's going to happen. And so hope is the conviction that in the, what she calls the spaciousness of uncertainty, there's room to act. And what that means is like, maybe I can make a difference. Maybe something I do could matter. And I think that that's something that would be a really good thing for John to cultivate in his post-faith life. Because what he's really looking for is a way to motivate himself to keep doing the right thing, even though it, things look very bleak right now. And an argument could be made that now is the time to stop being unselfish and to start looking after yourself and your own. Now is the time to, to recognize that we're heading into a very, very devastating time of hatred and war and perhaps race war and class war. And you know what, buddy, the, the, like I, I can see where it's going. And so you better, you better get your, get your gun and get your survivalist gear going and, and, and let's get, let's get down to brass tacks. And you say, Hey, you know what? You don't know what's going to happen here. We pursue our values secure in the knowledge, not that they'll work out, but that it's sensible to keep trying because we don't know. How's that for an end of the year thought? I think it's great. I mean, you are perceived, I think, as being an optimist. If you look at the way people react 
relate to this podcast or some of the other work uh, that you do and your general message, people do perceive you to be up, upbeat and optimistic, positive, warm. Yeah, every, everybody that doesn't know me well. Exactly. My, my kids, my, my wife, all my friends, whenever they hear somebody talk about, oh, Bart, he's such an upbeat, positive guy, they're like, what? Like, Bart is terrified about peak oil, and he thinks right. that our political – we're in late democracy, and he's experiencing environmental <laughs> grief. And, you and know, the collapse is coming. The collapse is coming. Like, Bart's the least optimistic person I know. But, 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 if, but if you said, but does Bart seem to be in, infused with hope? I, I hope so. I hope they would think that because that's how I feel. Well, that's what I like about what we just did. It's sort of an articulation of the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I think what John in his question calls faith, the idea of like, it's going to be okay. I think it's really optimism. And you can have secular faith or you can have religious faith, but either way, it's irrational. Um, it's irrational to assume that everything's going to work out. Um, mm-hmm. One of the biggest sort of cognitive biases that we human beings have is, is that the future is going to be like the present. And it's, you know, time and time again, that has proven not to be true. Um, I can think of 57 scenarios where human, humanity doesn't make it, mm. but two things are true. And one is we might, we might make it. And, and if we do make it, I want it, I want the best parts of us to make it. And I want, I want the true human experience to survive. And I'm loyal to my, I'm loyal to finitude and I'm loyal to life and I'm loyal to love and all that stuff. You've heard me say that before. But the other thing is, even if we don't make it, living with hope is better than not living with hope, even if that hope isn't realized. Even if you are a rat swimming around in a vat that will ultimately be left to drown, it's still better if you, if in your heart you're going like, they might be coming. There might be a chance. I, we should keep swimming. Hey, hey, Joey, keep swimming. Do your best. Don't give up. Like there's something noble. There's something dignifying that says, you know what? That rat's last five minutes were worth something. <laughs> so anyone who had any hope up until that analogy... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did I blow the whole thing? I blew the whole thing. I'm I think sorry. you might have blown it. Damn it. <laughs> no, but, but the truth of the matter is, is that as we cross over into 2020, when not just the, the future of the species looks bleak, but certainly our future as Americans, there's a lot of people now going through d- democracy grief where they're like, gosh, I just don't think we're going to have a democracy like we used to have ever again. Mm-hmm. And yet, and yet, we don't know exactly how it's going to work. And in that uncertainty is the possibility that we might act in a way that, that matters. And that is the definition of hope that I'm working with right now. Thank you. Thank you very much, Rebecca Solnit. And so I would say like John, John on the, John on the question and John, you and Bart and everybody who's listening, I'm, I'm thinking our, best and most rational strategy for living in this universe in this moment is to acknowledge that we don't know what's going to happen and that in that uncertainty there is room to act love it 
Good. Love it. Well, well, then, then can we just say Happy New Year? Yeah. No, I, I really like that. That's where we're at. Going into 2020. It's the end of the decade, too, which is kind of crazy to me. Yeah. First of all, I don't even know where this year went. No, I mean, the older you get, the faster they go. I guess so. It's crazy. I listen to, uh, I listen to every now and then I listen to the New York Times. They have this podcast called The Daily. Yeah. I'll listen to it in the morning when I'm working out. And today they did one that was just uh, 2019, the sounds of 2019. And they just played clips of things. And I just, the sheer magnitude of all that happened in this one year. Seriously. In politics, yeah. in life, you know, in, in, in terms of major events, like stuff that in our news cycle feels like it was 20 years ago. It was actually like three months ago. I'm amazed at how fast time goes by now. It, it's funny also watch, on, on the other hand, you know, my, my granddaughter will turn one on January the 5th. And the weird thing is, is she's only been alive almost a year. And I almost can't remember what life was like without her. Right. And from her perspective, this year has been enormously long. <laughs> she, she's grown so much. Like, I bet you, she, you know, like for her, think about how fast a year goes now and how slow it went when you were 10. Can you imagine in her little brain? What's going on in terms of time? Yeah, no, that's that's crazy. Yeah. So, you know, I, I remember my dad explained to me, I'm trying to explain to me, Einsteinian, the theory of, of relativity. Mm -hmm. and, and what he always said was, um, we shouldn't ask what time it is. We should ask how fast are you moving? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so he, he used to say, he used to say that whenever you come home late and, and somebody's angry at you for being late, you should just go like, I'm not late. We're just moving too slow. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, well, listen, I, I, I don't know how many years we've been doing this podcast. At some point, we probably ought to figure it out. and We should count that. Do an anniversary show. Or, or maybe, maybe it's when you reach a certain number of episodes um, you celebrate. Um, but in the meantime, I, I'm, this is a milestone. The, the podcast started in the teens started between 2010 and 2020, and we're heading into our second decade. Crazy. Um, and I, I've, I really, one of the best things that happened to me between 2010 and 2020 was discovering this medium and, and, and making friends with you yeah. and creating this community. And um, I'm just really, really, I'm coming, to, I'm coming to the end of this year, not only with hope as I look forward, but with a lot of gratitude as I look back. Mm. Nice. Yeah. All right, baby. I love you. I'll talk to you, in the, you, too, talk to you on the other happy side of, on the other side of the new year. All right. Happy New Year to you too. For more on Bart, go to Bartcampolo.org. If you like this podcast, please consider supporting it every month and get extra content for it. Go to patreon.com slash humanize me. Our patrons do make the show happen. Follow us at Humanize Me Pod on Twitter and Humanize Me Podcast on Instagram. You can also join other listeners on our private Facebook group. Just search Humanize Me on Facebook. To ask your own question on the show, leave it as a voicemail at 
424-291-2092. That's 424-291-2092. And finally, please review us on iTunes. It really helps. Catch you next week. Humanize Me is a production of Jux Media. Hey, you could be larger than life.